Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And what's up, everybody? Welcome in GC Live. Final episode, uh, maybe final episode of the year, certainly final episode of the college football season as far as previews go. Getting ready for Gamecocks versus North Carolina Duke's Mayo Bowl, which of course takes place 11:30 a.m. Bank of America Stadium, and uh, weird start for that game, but it is right around the corner. We are at, live at Market on Main right here, uh, Main Street, Columbia, South Carolina. We got the big 23-foot LED screen right behind us, as you can see there. I believe Virginia Tech, Maryland playing right now. Uh, come on out, great place to watch any game, any bowl game. They're going to have it on. Uh, of course, have South Carolina playing tomorrow. If you cannot make it to Charlotte, Market on Main, the perfect place to come out and watch the game. Uh, of course, if you are going to Charlotte, come on by. Come hang out with us at the doghouse before the game and then go enjoy the game at Bank of America Stadium. Chris, it is here, man. Uh, you know, the, the hay is sort of in the barn, as they say, as far as South Carolina is concerned. I, I hate that the discussion, I mean, watching the press conferences today, it kind of still, believe it or not, as we move from 2021 to 2022, centers around uh, the word COVID and whether or not there's going to be a football game or not. So we're not going to spend 15, 20 minutes talking about it. But based on what Shane Beamer had to say today, based on what uh, Matt Brown had to say today, um, this game appears to be on. It appears to be happening. We've seen other ball games canceled. We've seen other ball games affected where – They've had to grab other teams and, and mix them in there. Uh, thankfully, luckily, at this point, this game, it appears it's going to happen. Yep. Exciting. I mean, anytime, you know, the 2020 season, was, which we discussed that during yesterday's show and how we're kind of in an echo chamber now, it seems like from, from week to week in 2020, there's always a question as to whether or not the games would happen. We got through this football season basically unscathed from that standpoint, where it wasn't even really a consideration week to week. It's very normal. And now, bowl season's here. It is. NC State, whoop, they got the plug pulled on them about, what, five hours before kickoff. Felt awful for them. That was horrible. Um, there was some a little back. The only fun part of it, not for NC State still, was there's a little chatter back and forth. Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback, saying they would play NC State in the parking lot, which would have been entertaining. I would have paid to watch that. That would have been awesome. Maybe a little pay per view. But uh, nonetheless, South Carolina and North Carolina do get to play. And at this point, that is certainly a blessing to be able to play that football game, even if it looks different. And it will look different for South Carolina. We know, again, not to harp on the COVID situation, there will be some people missing for South Carolina. We know that. The extent of that. We're not going to go into all of that, and we don't fully, I don't think, less even know 100% all the uh, people that will be missing. But they get, do get to play this game, and there's there's plenty to examine about the actual game itself, you know, throughout this show today. Yeah, no doubt. And this show, as always, is presented by our good buddy Clint Hammond. He is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. The NMLS number is 71597. Uh, shoot Clint an email, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com, or you can give him a call. 803-576-4450, or the easiest thing to do would just go to clinthammond.com. You can find out all the information about Clint, his background as uh, one of the top mortgage guys in the entire state of South Carolina. Whether you're looking to buy a home or maybe you want to see what your options are about refinancing, uh, Clint can walk you through that process. Uh, again, like I said, we're not going to maybe harp on COVID and all that, but I, I do think um, it's going to have an effect on this game on the field now. The great thing about it is that we're not going back to 2020 where you have uh, the stadium is like a, a quarter field and there's no atmosphere and all that stuff. Um, South Carolina, Beamer said today, has fully sold out their bowl allotment. Now, I will say this. You don't, from what I understand, schools don't actually get a huge allotment to these games. A lot of it, 
you know, you have corporate sponsors, you have the ball directly selling, um, you know, tickets itself. North Carolina, of course, gets an allotment, but it, it, it sounds like South Carolina and North Carolina, from what I've heard, have both sold out their personal, uh, you know, or their school allotments to this game. Uh, if you go on Ticketmaster right now, there still are tickets available directly from the ball. I don't necessarily expect it to be a sellout, but I do think with, with two fan bases that obviously it's a border game. Charlotte, very easy trip for a lot of people in the state of South Carolina. They actually have a pretty strong Gamecock alumni base in Charlotte and the greater Charlotte area as well. Uh, Fort Mill, all that area is growing as well. So I think if the weather holds off, then um, it should be a pretty good little atmosphere, a fun game. Uh, you know, Regardless of what happens on the field, I think it should be a fun time for Gamecock fans. It should. And again, just the opportunity to have another game, especially I felt like the whole season. I know you harped on that this year on a lot of our shows, but I remember earlier in the year, things weren't going how some people wanted to go. Understandably so, but it's go enjoy the games, you know, because the 2020 season was a very weird deal, a very weird atmosphere. And I think for a lot of us that, you know, we realize what you can miss out with not being able to go to full stadiums and those, those types of atmospheres. A lot of schools had games outright canceled last year. South Carolina, yeah, shortened the season. Um, not much beyond that. They were able to play their 10-game SEC slate, but it looked different, right? Now you get to go through a whole year. You have a, a regular season. You get to play in a bowl game, which was a huge, actually a huge goal for this year. So is it going to look different? Yeah. The South Carolina favorite? No, they're not, and we'll go into that more, but still a great opportunity to go see the game in person or watch the game. That's something to be thankful for, I think. Yeah, by the way, shout out to everybody in our Promo Gourmet chat line. I'm going to go ahead and address one thing right off the bat from iDig Music. In no way. Now, I know, obviously, we're on a webcam. Uh, it's overcast in Columbia right now. But in no way are these even, if anything, Chris's shirt, he may be, I don't know, Notre Dame. A little, I mean, yeah. this, that's not, I don't know if that's gold or it's, green. Uh, but man, the closest thing. Someone in chat said we're North Carolina colors. Not I'm, this is a green, a green shirt with a dark blue logo. Your shirt is blue, dark blue. Not so. Yeah, no, we're not. In in no way, not close. Are we even close to having cargo colors on? So uh, we can't accept that one from you. We would own it if we were, but we're not. So yeah, yeah. Let's go into the game, man. I I get the the sense that uh, from what we've heard, they're going to be maybe a position group or two affected by guys missing when you add up um, the, the guys that have not been announced, which would, you know, you would assume be either COVID or COVID protocol um, opt-outs, which we know about. And then um, there's always guys banged up. There were some guys who were either missing from practice earlier this week or appeared to be limited in practice earlier this week. And then let's be honest, some of these transfer guys, honestly, there may be a transfer or two who are going to maybe turn the game on watching their buddies and be like, dang, I could have been starting on, on Thursday, you know? So th there may be a group or two that is going to be affected. And I think fans will probably, if you, if you really pay attention to the roster, when Carolina runs out and starts warming up and they're split up into their groups, you're going to know pretty quickly um, which groups are, are most affected uh, by the combination of all those things, yeah, that's right. It'll, it'll be pretty evident. And, again, I know people want to know who. You'll, you'll see before game time. We don't have all those confirmations anyway. But uh, it's not something that Shane Beamer's going to go out and say, okay, guys, we come out to the press conference. Here's our list. Here's exactly who's not playing. Again, that's not something from a competitive advantage thing that you're going to – or disadvantage, you know, that you're going to go out and do. We've also had a lot of questions, Wes, about which players from North Carolina are other I don't really know as much about that. Maybe yeah. we'll learn – more here in a little while with our guests. Um, that'll be interesting. We do know, as of everything that we've heard, Sam Howell from North Carolina is going to play, and that is, as we started to discuss yesterday, I think a key for this for this entire game, really. Yeah, and I, I think, um, by the way, so we'll be joined, um, I'm told now, 310 by Tar Heel Illustrated. That's the UNC rival site. Um, their uh, publisher, Andrew Jones, uh, not to be confused with Andrew Jones, former Atlanta Braves, great. Uh, he will be joining us to talk a bit about the Tar Heels, and and I, it's it's honestly it's needed, guys. I, I want to hear 
an update, what's going on their end, what they expect as far as, as we talked about, guys that are out. It doesn't seem like they've had many opt-outs or transfer portal guys, maybe a guy here or there, but um, it doesn't sound like that's had a huge effect on their program. And, you know, this is a North Carolina team. Um, you know, we look forward to, to Andrew's insight on this, but this is a North Carolina team that uh, has – I was listening to their podcast trying to get some background earlier today, Chris. They've kind of been up or down, or up and down, I should say. And um, that's really the case for most – it seems like all fan bases kind of are like, well, you know, this team's so uh, so schizophrenic in how they, you know, how they play. Well, most teams, unless you're just absolutely dominant, have their share of ups and downs. And North Carolina has been the, the exact same. And if you look, there's been some games this year where they played – they've had some really close losses against – what you would say were some pretty good teams. Like, I think they had a close loss to, to Notre Dame. Um, there was a game earlier this year, though, where they essentially got blown out by uh, by a Georgia Tech team that, as the year went on, uh, proved to be, I mean, almost borderline awful. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a term. was going to be a little bit nicer than that. But, you know, point being – Vandy S. Yeah, Vandy S. Yeah. Oh, man, we have not hated on Vandy in a while. So, um yeah, let's throw some bandy shade today. But, yeah, here's the thing. I look at this North Carolina team. That Georgia Tech game was a long – that was a long way away. You know, like that was a long time ago. So, I don't know necessarily if it means anything. Uh, this team ended up, uh, I believe, beating Wake Forest, um, you know, and, and sort of coming from behind, having a shootout with them. Here's the thing we know. This team can score points. And yeah. – I go back to what we talked about quite a bit yesterday, man. Um, Carolina's defense has proved they can hang in there when they're not forced to go out there and get stop after stop after stop. Um, I'll be curious to see what South Carolina's defensive depth looks like. We already know J.J. Inigbari is out. We know Jordan Strong uh, was not spotted at practice earlier this week. I do believe there's a good chance that he's back with the team for Thursday. So, um, you know, what does South Carolina's defensive uh, backfield depth look like? Those are things to keep an eye on in this game. But uh, Sam Howell, we know, will be out to, to have a good showing in what is essentially his hometown in his final game in a UNC uniform. Uh, as much as we talk about the offense and offensive struggles, to me, when I look at this game, my mind goes to, to Sam Howell on the North Carolina side of things. But I also I feel like all those things are connected. South Carolina's defense is always going to be married to its offense and it's kind of a broken record alert but that that's kind of been the key for South Carolina all year long can you run the football on offense and then when they do that that tends to give their defense a chance against a North Carolina offense that's probably going to move the ball but can you can you keep them under that 30 number and just kind of give yourself a chance well and it's critical for a South Carolina team like this to you know, going back to the, the phrase of the year, the low margin type of team, which most teams, to your point earlier, are in that category. Most teams week to week are going to play with a low margin of error because they're not out there just bulldozing everybody. South Carolina is in the extreme of that category and have a very low margin of error game to game. And it's even more important for them to be able to play Another one of your favorite phrases, complimentary football. What you were talking about earlier, the defense being married to the offense, even special teams with hidden yards. This is not a Gamecock team that you can say, ah, well, they gave up a score. That's fine. Here here comes a great chance of a 75-yard bomb on the next play. You know, they, they just don't have that capability, and they don't have the capability to dominate defensively either. Um, even, I mean, there have been games this year where they play – all right, defensively, and still gave up more points than you would like and more points than you would expect because, again, the offense frequently put them in bad positions. So that's going to be a big key to this game. I actually watched, Wes, earlier today, I watched a random North Carolina game. Went and watched the game against Duke. Duke, of course, not very good this year. Even then, there were some things about North Carolina that you said, here, here are some areas of concern, and they won that game handily, I do believe. There are some areas of concern, but I think the question is, can Carolina take advantage of those things? And that's been that's been the case all year long. We've had these preview podcasts. We can tell you the other team's issues. We can tell you the opponent's issues. But then, can South Carolina take advantage of it or not? Um, so I was doing the Before the Sandstorm recording earlier today with Kendall Smith, 
and Kendall asked me, who do you circle on the South Carolina team? Who do you who do you circle and say that's the guy that at about four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, all Gamecock fans need to be saying, Wow, that guy just had a day. Like he had a day. That that was that guy sort of sparked South Carolina. And I it kind of took me off guard a little bit. But to me, I come back to Kevin Harris. You know, Kevin obviously had a massive season in 2020. And uh, it didn't all come together in 2021. Um, Zaquandre White, if everybody was healthy right now and, you know, opted in, then Zaquandre White would probably be starting this bowl game for South Carolina. There is no Z White. Um, Marshawn Lloyd, we'll see how much he does. Uh, you know, it's been reported he was uh, he looked to be doing limited things in the open portion of practice earlier this week. So we'll see exactly what that means. But to me, that brings me right back to Kevin Harris. Uh, this could be his last game. I think um, I think we can say it. We probably expect it to be his last game. Kevin Harris has said that he's made his decision. He's not announced it yet. It's not official. But the word around the program has been that Kevin Harris will uh, try his hand at the NFL after this game. So, to me, I started to think, what what's the thing that if that happens, you would start to say, well, all of a sudden, South Carolina has a chance in this game. And if I had to just circle one guy and, and sort of drill it down to one thing, it would be that Kevin Harris has one of those games like we saw him have in 2020 where he breaks off a couple long runs, where the offensive line starts to get some confidence. And uh, then that, that takes so much pressure off the defense. That takes so much pressure off Zeb Nolan that that, to me, it's, what, a nine – I believe it's a nine-point uh, line right now. Right. That would cl- start to close that gap in giving South Carolina a, a decent chance to go win this game. They're going to have to move the chains. They're going to have to score. And so when you look at just the personnel and the, just what we've seen all year and what we know they're going to have going into this game, you know, again, you, you can go back any of the generic plug in, plug in your keys to the game. You can always say run the ball, but there are games where it's more important than others. And, I think this is one of those, um, one of those things that I saw, you know, on tape that North Carolina struggled with. And I think you had to stat, what, 190 rushing yards a game. Uh, I think it's what North Carolina is surrendering. They have had some issues at times stopping the run. I think that was ninth in their conference in the ACC. So they've given up some chunk plays, some big plays, some decent, a decent amount of rushing yards. So for Kevin Harris, for Lloyd, Juju McDowell, I think is a guy. Harris was the first guy that came to my mind. But one thing that I noticed on film is that North Carolina, on the back end and even up front on cutback lanes, they struggled a little bit sometimes with guys in space. So that that brings your mind to a Juju, maybe a Marshawn Lloyd if he's fully healthy, being able to do some damage there. I'm with you on Harris. Uh, Another one offensively, I mean, Josh Van. I think this is an opportunity for him to have a a really good game and make potentially some big plays. They'll, They'll need it in the passing game from him. Let me just say this. I know I know that the DeCarion Joyner package has not been what anyone maybe hoped it could be as far as South Carolina fans go this year. Um, have not been a lot of big plays from that package. And a lot of times it's sort of been thrown in there. They'll run at a play or two, and then he's pulled back out. And then if you, if you didn't get yardage on the first two downs, you're in third and long. Then you have a quarterback who's a little bit out of rhythm coming back in, whether it was Zeb or Jason. And it, it just sort of r- – rhythm is the word that keeps coming to my mind. It, that package never found its rhythm this year. Right. Frankly, there were some wasted downs in that. Uh, and to me, that's because he never really got the chance to actually throw a little bit as well. Um, and, and when he did, you know, maybe, maybe he didn't. I, I don't know exactly what the calls are. But I think for Carolina, if it's me and I'm drawing this thing up and there's – been issues at quarterback and you need a spark i'd go i'd go high school style offense against a defense that has struggled this year if i'm drawing this thing up i'm saying carry on go go be go be fort dorchester let me get that right go be fort d to carry on go run around go make some plays throw the football and uh, see if we can take advantage of a defense that uh, has given up chunk plays this year as you said, has struggled um, in in open field situations, and I know I'm I know that package was not productive. Some people are saying, "What are you talking about?" But to me, 
Carolina was sort of putting itself in a box when they were running that this year. Mm-hmm. I'm saying spread this thing out. The first the first play call should be a throw. And 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 let him go try to make some plays because otherwise your quarterback position is Zeb Nolan, who I, I really, for his sake, I hope he has a great finish to his career because it's been a great story. Um, he's going to need some help, be that from the Kevin Harris like we talked about earlier and the running game or from somebody else providing a spark and taking some of the pressure off him, not letting North Carolina just sit back and uh, have target practice, uh, you know, against the early a non-moving target. So. Right. Some some people may think I'm I'm crazy, but to me, I, I'm 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 throwing something different at the hills with these extra few weeks of practice that you've had to put some stuff in. Yeah, you, you may have to get creative because you would like to be able to say if you're South Carolina or South Carolina fan to, to go into the game and establish a will in the run game. That's all well and good. Can you do it? We we haven't seen it enough this year to be able to say that. And so we have seen some. We've seen the joiner package. Who else have we seen take the right snaps? Juju McDowell, mm-hmm. Kevin Harris did it, I think even against Clemson, I think it was. Um, we've seen some of that. So they're probably going to have to integrate some of that and get a little bit creative. Of course, the execution's got to be there. But with Nolan in there, we know that North Carolina, they do have some guys that can get after the quarterback. And Jay Bateman, their defensive coordinator, he will bring a lot of different looks. Blitz packages, delayed blitzes, blitzes from all over the place. Got to get the ball out. And being able to run the football and play well in space, short passes where you're making some plays in space, those are going to be, I think, critical factors. So Chris has a star power piece that goes up every single week on GamecockCentral.com, or every single game week, I should say. Chris, um, I, I know North Carolina has recruited pretty well since Mac Brown got there. You and I have talked about it, just how, how difficult Mac Brown has made it for other schools to go into the state of North Carolina. Uh, it's been a huge it's had a huge effect on South Carolina, in my opinion. I, I mean, to me, that, that's one of the things, other than Georgia being close to an all-time high, Clemson being at an all-time high the last few years, to me, the the, golly, the, the ability for or the inability for other schools to be able to go into North Carolina now has really cut out what should be a huge part of South Carolina's recruiting blueprint. So... Um, the numbers, I, I was very curious as far as your star power goes to see as far as North Carolina starters, how many of these guys were sort of blue chip type, four star, five stars. Um, several several guys playing on this North Carolina team are, are kids that we remember at least following. Some of them we followed closely. Some of them it was more like, hey, South Carolina offered early on, but there was no chance for Carolina to get. I mean, you know, Josh Downs um, was a kid. I remember South Carolina sort of uh, – almost, I would say, kicking the tire, tires on a little bit and uh, trying to potentially make a move for it at one point. I think he was already committed to UNC at the time when that happened. But, Chris, uh, what was the star power comparison like uh, on paper when you looked at the talent between South Carolina and North Carolina in this game? Well, the interesting thing is that on paper, you know, North Carolina does have some of those guys that you mentioned that were big-time recruits, some of them in South Carolina. Downs is one Tony Grimes, a former five-star. Yeah. Miles Murphy up front, defensive lineman. Uh, Sam Howell, obviously. Ty Chandler, the Tennessee transfer, former yeah, four-star yeah. guy. Big South Carolina had offered him out of high school. You know, there are some big-time guys in there. But they also have, you know, some guys that weren't super highly recruited. You look at Storm Duck from the state of South Carolina. Pulling up my list here. Uh, Cameron Kelly was a former four-star. He's an Auburn transfer, but... You know, a few of their DBs are three-star guys. You've got Cedric Gray, another guy from Charlotte that South Carolina made a play for. Three-star guy, but was a good player. Ended up signing with the Tar Heels. You know, if you went and looked through at the star power comparison, it's not some huge advantage for North Carolina. You know, in terms of the star power, given what South Carolina has, given what North Carolina has, I think the difference is North Carolina has been more explosive offensively, and their recruiting, I think, reflects that. And then they do have some big impact guys like Grimes, you know, at corner, former five-star. Yeah, Grimes uh, Grimes graduated early, right? Yeah. Came, like, not not graduated early in January. He said – He did the Jake Bentley. Yeah, the Jake Bentley. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll hear about that during the, uh, the pregame tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, he, he graduated early, early, not like January, like yeah. the fall before, which is impressive. And they came in and played. I mean, he's a, he was a bona fide, like – 
star, like five star type recruit. So uh, good, good gift for them. And they they've had some wins like that. We there's one point, I think we all thought South Carolina was in pretty good shape with Miles Murphy um, from uh, Dudley, I believe, right? That's right. Uh, That's right. Mike Wyman, yeah. former Mike Wyman teammate. South Carolina appeared to be in pretty good shape there, and uh, and North Carolina pulled it out. It, he he is a starter. For them, Miles yeah, is. I think so. Yeah, listed as a starter. Definitely plays a lot. Saw him play on the film that I watched. So. Yeah, I, I liked him as a prospect, man. So they they have uh, they've got some guys. Obviously, they're gonna if they're gonna make a move in the ACC, they're gonna have to keep stacking classes like that. But it, it's been impressive. They uh, they very clearly do have talent. Um, by the way, again, we are here at Market on Main. Wanted to tell everybody about uh, coming out. So. They are sold out for New Year's already, but I understand at about 10.30, if you if you want to come enjoy this awesome atmosphere at Market on Main, they are at about 10.30 going to allow some walk-ups. Um, they're going to do, of course, the ball drop on the big screen. They'll have um, champagne they're giving out, and it uh, should be a, a really fun time here at Market. I've been here for several Gamecock games. If you're not in Charlotte, this is a great place to come watch the game on the big screen. So uh, we appreciate Market on Main all season long being sort of our headquarters for our final preview edition of the show every single week. So uh, Chris and I uh, will not be here for the game tomorrow, but uh, we have enjoyed uh, Market on Main's lunches all week long. We've got some great food and it's, of course, a, a great atmosphere. Um, let's see. I, I do want to take some questions maybe at some point if y'all have them. Mr. Steele asked, uh, who who do you trust to win the game? Who's going to win the game? We, we've not put out our predictions yet. I'll go ahead and I'll, I will not bury the lead. I'm not leaning towards picking the Gamecocks. I think on paper, and, and just in reality, what we've seen for 12 games now for both of these teams, based on the overall outputs, based on the individual matchups, based on the guys that we know South Carolina is missing, and based on the guys we think South Carolina may be missing, it doesn't set up that well for them. Now, does that mean they can't go win the game? Of course it doesn't mean that. Like, I think there's a reason you play the games and throw all the cliches in there right now and certain cliches in bowl games especially. You see odd outcomes. I do like Shane Beamer's point. Generally, bowl games more than any other just regular random regular season game, who wants to be there the most? Who cares the most? Who wants to? Who most wants to send their seniors out on a high note? Those things actually do matter in games, but I think they especially do matter in bowl games. But on paper, I saw you nodding your head. I think we're in agreement. Um, it's not an unwinnable game by any means, but if you're doing like percentages, you're probably not picking this out. That's right, yeah. I think in a, the, the ESPN FBI West, I think, did you check it recently? 30, 70%-ish for North Carolina? I have not checked it, but that some, would make sense. Something like that. Pretty heavy, heavy favorite there for North Carolina. And so, I don't know if I got 70% or 60 I haven't really sorted that out in my head. But I, I'm with you on, on, in terms of picking North Carolina, with the reason being, um, you know, they're just more explosive on offense. I think South Carolina – there, there are questions stopping explosive offenses. There are certainly questions in terms of, you know, being able to score enough points to keep pace. We go back and look at what North Carolina did this year. You know, that had kind of a stinker against Virginia Tech to open the game. They had a stinker against Georgia Tech, but 59 points against Georgia State, 59 against Virginia, 38 against Duke, you know, 45 against Miami. Like, they didn't do that in every game, 58 against Wake. They didn't do that in every game, but – They've done it in some games to where it's a threat. And South Carolina has been on the receiving end of some of those, you know, defensive performances that kind of went sideways. And on the other side, haven't been able to score enough points in most games to keep pace. So uh, that's why I would pick the Tar Heels. Now, to your point about wanting to be there, I mean, I just watched the game last night. Texas Tech was, what were they at? Maybe a nine-point favorite or something like that. I think they were even maybe a double-digit favorite to Mississippi State. Kind of beat the brakes off of them, you know, especially early in that game, and they, they looked much more interested in being there. So, um, we'll see. I mean, I think Sam Howell will be motivated. I think North Carolina will. There's some questions maybe on both sides uh, for both of these teams, but still an interesting matchup. On, on paper, I feel like this is probably because you know I, I think we like to talk about uh, 
what, what's a what's a realistic number? We've done this for other matchups. What's a realistic number looking at North Carolina's offense and South Carolina's defense that South Carolina could hold them to? And you sort of here's how I think about games. What's like the high end of that? Like that North Carolina can score. What, what's the low end? Not including like defensive scores, special team scores, all that stuff. Then you look at South Carolina's offense versus North Carolina's defense. What's the low end? What's the high end? I think nine times out of ten, North Carolina probably scores in the low 30s to mid 30s in this game, and South Carolina probably scores in the low 20s to mid 20s. Now, does that mean the two the two out of ten or one out of, the other one out of ten plays out that way? No. Does it mean you know if South Carolina gets a special team score and it flips that thing on its head, or North Carolina kicks a bunch of field goals and it sort of changes the the way the game plays out? All those things are a part of football. But just on paper, I think that that 30, to me, that 30 number is key. Mm-hmm. If um, if North Carolina even, if North Carolina scores 35 points, that's going to be tough for the offense to, to keep up with on paper. Yeah. Um, even, you know, we were talking about how Carolina had the, the big sort of explosion against Florida. Well, I still think the, the end of the half, um, scoop and score, just sort of, even though Carolina was already winning that game, that put that game on, that turned that game on its head. You know, like it, it changed the complexion completely. So if you, if you get a defensive score or special team score, it can change just how a game plays out. It can change the game flow. But if you're taking all those things out, uh, I don't know, man, 30, like can Carolina, can South Carolina's offense go score 28 points? In this game, you know, I, I, I'm looking at that like low 20s or high 20s to low 30s for both teams, and I'm saying, can Carolina's offense get there? Can North Carolina's uh, can North Carolina can South Carolina's defense hold North Carolina's offense to that number? And that's kind of where I am. If you you've got the schedule up right there, there there's a lot of games where they put up some big numbers, as you said, even in losses. Yes, you know, you look at so I mean. Their loss against NC State, which was their last regular season game, they scored 30 points. They hit that 30-point mark. NC State scored 34. You know, do you look at the South Carolina team and say, even against a subpar North Carolina defense, do you feel great about South Carolina scoring 34 points? I don't really – I can't get there. You know, they lost to Notre Dame, scored 34 points, gave up 44 they lost to Florida State. They only scored They scored 25 there. Georgia Tech, they scored 22, gave up 45. I think they're going to have to get in that range, personally, that we saw early in the year when they lost to Georgia Tech and Florida State. They scored 22 to 25 points in those games, respectively. Now, they gave up 35 and 45. Again, tough for South Carolina to get there, but you don't care if you win 28 to 22, whatever. Um, but I think they're going to have to keep it there, honestly. And that's, again, that's another big challenge against this North Carolina offense. Tell folks about Dead Soxie. DeadSoxie.com is where you need to go. I know Christmas just wrapped up, but maybe you uh, forgot somebody. Wes, maybe you forgot somebody that was on your list, supposed to be on your list. Go check out the fine folks at DeadSoxie.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Check out their full catalog online. You get 25% off your entire order with the promo code Hockey. Yeah, we appreciate um, appreciate Dead Soxie. We appreciate all our sponsors, man. Um, all of our viewers, watchers, listeners, all that stuff throughout the year. Um, again, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be back on here before the new year. So, just want to make sure before we close it out the show, and I, and I forget to say that. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Appreciate all the support, uh, sponsors. Clint Hammond, of course, our, our good buddies at, at Promo Gourmet as well. They've been great. Ned Soxie, all the folks here at Market on Main. Anybody that's supported the show, anybody that's retweeted it, shared it, uh, hit a like button. By the way, hit the like button right now. Uh, anybody that's subscribed on uh, your podcast platform, however you listen, watch, enjoy the show, even if you hate the show, even if you just clicked it and were like, these guys suck, and then you went off, um, you know, we, we appreciate that. So I, I want to make sure before I forget that we say that. Again, we're should be joined here momentarily in a second by um, by Andrew Jones from TarHillIllustrated.com. You know, Chris, I was thinking we and I'll throw us into this too with the fans. Like we we as an SEC collective, like 
SEC fans, SEC media. Um, we, we all know what, what the sort of thought in the Southeast is about the SEC. And we know what the thought is from like other conferences about the SEC and how, you know, those fans think that the whole SEC thing is sort of overblown a little bit. For as long as I can remember following football, the SEC has prided itself on being able to line up and be dominant in the trenches. Like that, that's always sort of been the thing, you know, like if, if all else fails, SEC teams recruit better on the defensive line. They recruit better on the offensive line. And whether that's always been 100% true or not, that's been the, the narrative. That's been what people think about when they think about the SEC. So we've seen Carolina – I keep saying Carolina. We've seen South Carolina go into games against ACC opponents and not be able – you know, I, I hate to bring up some bad memories for y'all, but – the, the Virginia game in the belt ball, yeah. uh, the season opening game against uh, the same UNC program. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, I remember in that Virginia game, South Carolina had a fourth and one in Virginia territory, very early in this game, and uh, they went play action yep. on fourth and one. You remember this play? I do remember that one. Granted, the running back is wide open. He was. He's wide open. Maybe he walks in. Maybe it's truly one of those plays where you say, well, if they just executed it, it's a genius call. Or it's a great call. I'm not going to say a genius call. But I, I thought to myself when that happened, Chris, I was like, you're an SEC program against what's supposed to be an overmatched Virginia ACC team, and you don't really trust your offensive front early in the game to just set the table and set set." what this game is going to be about. Set the expectation that if we need one yard, we're just going to go take one yard. We don't have – we. to me, that sent the wrong message in that game. That said – and apparently it was the correct message because <laughs> South Carolina did not show up to play that game, did not execute an offense. But it sent the message of we feel like we have to trick you. To me, this game comes back to can this South Carolina program, an SEC program, prove – that it's a little bit different in the trenches in this conference week in, week out. Because we know that's the narrative, but it hasn't always actually played out like that. It hasn't. And, you know, popular after last night uh, wrapped up, last night's slate of games for people to basically take a big poo on the SEC because it's 0-4 right now. Uh, Danny Cannell, of course, among those, of course, championing the losses of the SEC via Twitter. Not that I should amplify his platform any further. I just did. But, yeah, 0-4. And so a lot of people love to point that out, you know, a whole record of the SEC and whatnot. Um, South Carolina, of course, is going to be one of those. And they're going to be playing up, playing an, an ACC program. You're right. I mean, some of those you mentioned, I mean, Clemson, who's, let's be fair, they're not a run-of-the-mill ACC program. The they aren't even an ACC program but, anymore. But they're not really. They're just kind of standalone. But, you know, you got Clemson. I mean, you think even about it, this is, this is going too far. Right? But, you know, South Carolina played Florida State. And couldn't do much in that game either. You know, that's when Jimbo Fisher was there. They're playing quite well. They're, they're building their program up. But North Carolina 2019, there have been a bunch of those. And so you're right, whether it's um, – you know, obviously the recruiting at South Carolina fell off relative to some of those other programs that we just mentioned, but they have not been able to line up and establish their will against people in their conference or outside of the conference. And so in order to get back there, I mean, this would be a really nice step if you could go out and win this game. Yeah, North Carolina's had some struggles this year. It would still be a really, really good statement and something to build on, I think, for the Gamecocks going forward. Well, I think there there is momentum in this program off the field. Right now, um, Ken- Kendall asked me what, and I guess I'm giving away all the content for uh, for the, uh, our Sandstorm show, for the Sandstorm. But what what are fans most excited about going into this offseason, going into the year 2022? And I said, some guy named Spencer Rattler. Like there, yeah. there, there is a, an excitement level that to me kind of is going to go above and beyond what happens on this actual field tomorrow. It's going to go above and beyond the game. But 
it sort of would get uh, amplified, in my opinion, if Carolina ends this season by maybe getting a little revenge from a few years ago, a game that South Carolina was favored in. Uh, again, I'll say it again, that, that game was the beginning of the end of the Blue Mustang era. So, to me, the Gamecocks owe North Carolina a little bit. And can you imagine – I, I think it changes – the, the fan base's thoughts going into the offseason, they're going to be excited regardless. But if you if you tack on a seventh win to this season where Vegas had you looking at like four wins, then it kind of sends a message. And not that recruits necessarily. I think it's a, it's a fan sort of misunderstanding or misnomer that like one game, uh, you know, makes a recruit pick a score. But you go into those homes this spring or go into those schools this spring, I should say, and you're able to say, hey, you should take another look at us because we beat those guys. Yeah. And, you know, you go into that state and you now have your own win to point to against North Carolina. I tend to think those things are hard to quantify exactly how much it means, but it does mean something. Well, you, you would have a lot to point to because you beat North Carolina, who's had some buzz, you know, not only in the ACC or in the Southeast regionally, but just nationally because of what Matt Brown's done, kind of revitalizing the recruitment, recruiting process and everything, and some of the names they've been in the land, including, don't forget, just because of them taking a step back this this year, they, they're bringing in a really good recruiting class, you know, really impressive one. If you go say that, you could, you could sell, hey, Shane Beamer is one of three candidates for first year coach of the year you could sell that beat north carolina despite having some adversity including COVID issues as we know your two best players i I just just thought of that point your best player on each side of the ball was opted out (laughs) jj nagari and and taquandre Wright have been the two best players on each side they're both not playing this game so again it's an if but if you can go win this one, it would give you a lot of momentum, and, and it would be definitely a cherry on top that I think would build even more excitement going into next year. Anybody being out, um, you know, that had been rumored before it was actually announced. Uh, I don't know if anybody knew for sure what he was going to do, but I, I don't know if his numbers really back up exactly how good he was for South Carolina oh, this yeah. year. Just being disruptive, and too many times – especially as fast as offensive teams get the football out these days. The sack numbers just don't tell the story. But I, I, the number of times I saw that guy when I was re-watching a game, chasing a play from the completely other side of the field, chasing down a screen play, blowing up a play and letting somebody else clean it up, um, those things usually aren't noticed when you're watching the game live. But if you watch a replay – or you're, you're really just watching D-line play, like our buddy Preston Thorne says he always watches the defensive line. I I think it's it, it's a loss for this game. Like, you can't sugarcoat that. It is a loss. Now, I do think, um, you know, if Jordan Strong is able to go, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if Jordan Birch, which are, whichever one of those guys gets the start. Pick a Jordan. Yeah, pick a Jordan. <laughs> pick a super athletic, um, uh, fast twitch Great first step, Jordan, to fill in. I, I do sort of wonder, is there a little motivating factor there? And, hey, I'm, I'm getting to make my, my first start this year. I'm trying to springboard into next year. I, I think the Jordans are your starters on the edge next year, opposite each other. Yeah. We know Aaron Sterling does not have a 10th year uh, available. So, um, well, that's that's our most low-hanging fruit joke that we make is yeah, that it's, it's probably played out now, but it is. Um, but either way, no no errors early next year. So the Jordans are going to be starting opposite each other, in my opinion. Springboard opportunity to go out, affect this game, affect Sam Howell, and uh, and be a big part of uh, of how this game plays out. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is a storyline I wanted to dive into. I mentioned on what's today, Wes? Wednesday. Can't keep the day straight because of the holidays. It's really Friday, as far as I'm like. It's Friday. It feels like it's a Friday, but right. it's the day before the game. We'll just say Friday. So on the Thursday show, that was really Tuesday. Uh, you know, I mentioned that North Carolina had had some trouble protecting Sam Howell this year. 
FSU, they gave up a, a bucket full of sacks. Um, it's a lot of sacks. Even, I don't know how many is in a bucket. I, I really I couldn't come up with a number, but it was a bunch. It was like seven, maybe even more sacks in that game. It was brutal. Um, and I even went back and watched the Duke game, and Duke was heating up the front line. Kind of got my wheels turning. Now, here, here's the, the other side of that. Sam Powell, you won't be surprised to hear, is really good at navigating. He can he can roll out of trouble. He's got good footwork to where he's constantly moving around in the pocket where he can buy himself some time. But frequently, he has been under pressure this year. Now, he, he can move. He keeps his eyes downfield. If you let him break the pocket, he can make some plays in the open field as a runner. South Carolina is going to have to cover longer than usual, I think, in this game, which could certainly be a concern. And then how we can make all those throws. But what is the two Jordans? Yes, they're, they're definitely in Aaron Sterling. They're going to have a chance in this game to make an impact. The question is, can you get home and can you actually make the play? Can you force Sam Howell into some bad decisions? Can you put them behind the chains a little bit by actually capitalizing on some of those sack opportunities? Yeah, can you can you finish the play off? Yeah, right? because even, even if you defeat that guy in front of you as a pass rusher, actually uh, getting to Sam Howell, has proved to be difficult. Uh, by the way, we're still waiting on uh, on Andrew Jones. We'll see. I don't know if he might be having some technical difficulties, but hopefully we will still hear from Andrew. But, um, Chris, I think Beamer clearly has a great deal of respect for Sam Howell's ability to do what you just said. Uh, you know, he was talking about – and a lot of times quarterbacks' rushing numbers are heavily skewed in college – because sacks get taken out of their rushing totals, which really statistically makes no sense in my opinion, but that's a story for another show. And so if you take out those sack numbers, though, this is a guy that really is – that's probably the most underrated part of his game. And the fact for a not very massive quarterback, this is not Cam Newton or T.J. Finley. He doesn't look like those guys physically. Um Kind of a physical runner. I, I don't. I feel like if there if there's a yard if it's a third down, and there's a guy standing between him and the first down, he's not sliding. Like he's got to go get. He's got a competitive must champ or he's got a competitive edge about him. You That's know, right. like yeah, I, res- I respect Sam Howell's game. Like, oh, yeah. you know, if you're a Gamecock fan out there, yeah, you you want the guy to throw ten picks tomorrow, but you got to have respect for the career and the game of Sam Howell, in my opinion. You definitely do. Man, am I eliminated. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I I mean, he he is a tough runner. Shane Beamer raved about it, you know, in terms of his open field ability. He even said, I think he said, guys bounce off of him, which is true. And he's a thicker, you know, built type guy. He's, you know, what, 6'1", something like that. So he's not a huge guy. He doesn't weigh 250 pounds. Uh, But he's a a crafty runner. He has good footwork, and he, he is definitely not afraid to, you know, get physical. So... South Carolina needs to be able to return, you know, some of these, some of these opportunities that they have to reach and have it inside. North Carolina's got an offensive line that is pretty experienced, Wes, but they have had some issues um, in terms of block, even blocking run plays up front. I've seen some issues this this season, and then certainly some protection issues. Sam Howell, because he's so good, is frequently able to offset that. But if South Carolina, you know, there will be some plays I think to be had there. They just have to go make. By the way, while we're waiting, I pulled up some PFF numbers for uh, for North Carolina. I always think these are a great guide. Sometimes PFF doesn't agree with, like, the traditional numbers or the eye test on quarterbacks. They agree 100%, though, with Sam Howell. Highest-graded guy on offense. I'm assuming probably the highest-graded guy on the team as well. A 90. That That is a massive PFF. Generally, in my experience, do not see a ton of guys at quarterback. That, if they're a 90, that's an elite score. So, uh, for this entire season, he has a 90 grade. Uh, their top three guys are Sam Howell at quarterback, uh, British Brooks, who is a halfback that I believe has come on a little bit as of late. He has not played a ton this year, but uh, has been a big player for them down the stretch, I think. Ty Chandler, again, the, the Tennessee the guy South Carolina fan should be pretty familiar with. Tennessee transfer running back. He's got a grade of 87.0. Um, again, Brooks, a grade of 87.5. Josh Downs, 
fourth highest rated with 82.6. Another kid we're kind of familiar with, yeah. Marcus McKeithen, offensive lineman for the state of South Carolina, I believe. 75.9 is he's their fifth highest rated guy on offense. So um, I was trying to maybe real quickly see what the offensive line grades look like. Um, McKeithen is a is a starting guard for them. Uh, another of their starting guards is right below McKeithen with a with pretty solid uh, pretty solid grade. Um, Jordan Tucker is another guy I seem to remember from recruiting. Yep. He, Georgia, Roswell, Georgia, I think. Or Buford, one of them. I get those mixed up. I think it was Roswell. But yeah, he was a guy. Um, Marcus McKeithen from, from Barnwell, a guy that I personally felt South Carolina should have should have offered have gone on back in the process. Jordan Tucker is now 6'6", 340. It's a big one. Big kid. So there there's three three of their five O line starters are in their top eight. So as far as grades go. So that, that's kind of interesting. They they have struggled at times um, to protect Sam Howell. They also have obviously had some good days as well for them to have those grades right there. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think you're right, man. That's a all these things we're talking about are pretty much keys for South Carolina throughout the season, but uh, certainly in, in this game, uh, they, uh, they they will be maybe even more so. Uh, by the way, while we're still waiting on Andrew, we need to – I feel like we most of the time, Chris, just concentrate on South Carolina during this show, rightly so, so GC Live. But uh, we, I feel like we have to send out an RIP for John Madden. Oh, man. No. I don't know about you, dude. That one, that one hit me. I was like, man, I truly feel, other than, I would say, watching high school football games as a kid, um, John Madden football probably is part of the reason I became a huge football fan at the time. So, uh, huge RIP to, to John Madden. That was a, a terrible loss for the football community. Uh, let's go out now on our Primal Gourmet chat line. We're joined now by Andrew Jones, TarHillIllustrated.com. Andrew, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys' patience. We got a lot going on uh, right now, and uh, a couple of things pulled me away longer than I expected. But I'm glad to be on with you guys. Yeah, man. Obviously, uh, media day today. South Carolina had their media day. North Carolina had their media day as well. Um, th- the first thing I guess we've all sort of been tracking uh, going into the day, going into tomorrow, was the fans have been sort of wondering. Is this thing going to happen? Um, you know, you hate that we're still even having that conversation, but it seems like from the South Carolina end, uh, as much as you can say that they are, they are a go. Um, I, I was reading the headlines from the North Carolina end. It seemed like that was probably the case as well. Um, yeah. Maybe give us, uh, Andrew, if you can, the headlines from, from Mac Brown, what he had to say today, and, of course, starting with that. Uh, does it look like the Tar Heels are, are in decent shape as far as uh, the, the whole COVID effect? Yeah, he said they're ready to go. They finished their. They've already taken their final tests, and uh, he wouldn't. He didn't give us a number if anybody had tested positive. He said he's been discouraged or encouraged by the doctors to not give specifics. But what he did say, if there were positives, it was and I quote, minimal to none. End quote. So they've had one opt out, uh, other than a couple of kids that transferred. And if they have anybody who's positive, it's it's a small number of players. It's not really going to affect them showing up. So they're ready to go. They sit on their end. They're showing up at Bank of America Stadium tomorrow, and they're going to play. Andrew, uh, Chris Clark here. Appreciate you, again, uh, taking time during your busy schedule to join us. Wes and I took kind of a broad overview earlier of North Carolina season, kind of going game by game and, and looking. Obviously, Matt Brown's addressed this. Haven't had the year that some people thought they would, especially in the media. What what do you attribute that to? Is it more defensive struggles? Has the offense not been as consistent as they thought? What what do you chalk got up to, and then how could it affect the game tomorrow as well? I think it's been more defense. The offense in the end has produced really good numbers. They did have some issues uh, running the ball conventionally the first four or five games. They they've had a terrible time protecting Sam Howe, but that's not just been the O line. Sam's run into a few sacks. They have receivers. Other than Josh Downs, they've had issues with receivers getting open. So a lot of stuff went into that. But the defense has had some terrible stretches in games where 
You look at the second half against Georgia Tech, they gave up 313 yards to a bad offense. Uh, they, they go the middle two quarters against Florida State to give up 350-something uh, yards to, to a Seminoles team that had no momentum going into that game. Miami lit them up for the second half. Virginia toasted them for four quarters. Their quarterback, I think, set the all-time mark of passing yards against a UNC team, and he set it by like 78 yards. So they have had stretches where the defense has just melted down and been awful, and a big part of that has been their, their chaos pre-snap chaos. The communication has been an issue. They say that getting the plays in hasn't been, but you've got seven, eight kids looking at the sideline for a play and the ball's being snapped. So I do think they cleaned some of that up. They were better defensively. If you go back to halftime of the pit game, they've been a lot better defensively since then. They say that they simplified some of the communication and simplified some of the responsibilities. And as a result, They've relied maybe a little bit more on the players' natural abilities and their skill levels, which, you know, against a, a good pit team, they shut down Kenny Pickett in the second half, and they did a pretty good job against a solid NC State offense until the last two minutes of that game when all their problems kind of surfaced. So I would say if this team had an average defense, they would have been playing in a different bowl game. They very well could have played for the ACC title because the defense just let them down too often. But the offense – has had some rugged moments too. The opener against Virginia Tech, they were bad. They were horrible at Georgia Tech, which to me is an inexplicable loss given the way the Yellow Jacket season played out. And especially kind of how Carolina, uh, how they discussed that loss afterward were some concerns as well. But I do think that they're a better team now. They've gotten things a little bit more fortified. They're a little bit more headed in the direction as a team that the staff kind of hoped that they would be for a while. Uh, and a big part of that was the open date they had before Georgia, or excuse me, before Notre Dame. They've been a more solid team since then, not as many penalties, not as many mistakes, but they're still not a very good team, and they wouldn't have melted down against NC State the way they did. We were talking about how Sam Howell's career sort of obviously has some some symmetry here. Started out against South Carolina in Bank of America Stadium. It's going to finish against South Carolina in Bank of America Stadium. Um, so, so Gamecock fans obviously remember him well from his first start. Um, but what, what has he meant to just the North Carolina program over these last three years? And um, I would guess how much have you seen him just improve as a player? What, what type of player will Carolina fans see tomorrow compared to that, that young guy making his first career start a, a few years ago? Uh, second part first, the, the kid that they saw two years ago didn't really know what he was all about as a college player. It was his first start. Uh, I, I don't think that, you know, they kind of had a tight leash on him, for lack of a better term, as far as what he would do. Although he threw two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter and they got a win. He led him to a come from behind win. But he wasn't chucking it around the same way then as he did later in his freshman year and certainly ever since then. The guy that's different now is that he's a much better runner. He's physically in better shape. He's stronger, leaner, quicker, and and he and he's kind of fearless. Everybody talks about his arm, but the thing that impressed me this year was, even though he was sacked forty five times, he's run for almost nine hundred yards after the sacks are, are factored in. So if you take away the sacks, he's run for like twelve hundred yards this year, and they've needed that. North Carolina had only one game, and it's program history before this season where a player threw for 300 and ran for 100 in the same game. Sam's done it, I think, four times. I think he's run for 105 different games this year. So he's been really, really good in getting them first downs when they need first down, third and seven on design runs, not just scrambling because of pressure. They caught a lot of design design stuff for him. They caught a lot of RPOs in which they knew he was going to keep it and he was going to get positive yards. He has the most runs of the team of 10 or more yards, 15 or more yards, the most rushing first downs. He's been a really good player in that sense, but they needed every bit of it because the passing offense wasn't really there. I think at times maybe he hasn't been as sharp as he's been in the past, but he also hasn't had De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsom running routes for him, and the offensive line hasn't protected him that well. So there were other factors that went into it, but he's a tougher, tougher kid. He's a smarter kid and he's a, and he's a really good runner, something we didn't see the first two years. And he believes that that's going to help him when it comes to how he's evaluated by NFL teams. As far as the first question you asked, 
Mac Brown says the value of Sam being there, aside from, I think, having star power, this program needed some star power. They needed someone who, who people go out and buy his jersey. They needed that because they got that all the time in basketball. They need it for football, right? Mac says it's the cool place to be. When he came in, he said he wanted to make North Carolina the cool place to be. Well, Sam flipped from Florida State. And then Sam kind of personifies cool, right? And he's kind of helped make it a cool place to be. And then getting kids like Drake May to flip from Alabama, he believes that's all cascaded from Sam. That having Sam as the centerpiece of the program, other guys want to play with dudes like that. And that's helped them attract other players at other positions and just kind of the, the sales pitch that North Carolina could be the cool place to be. We we may not have the history of a Clemson or the history of a Georgia or a lot of some of these SEC schools or Ohio State, but you could still get everything here at North Carolina. You would get at those places because it was good enough for Sam Howe. And he's going to say the same thing, I think, down the road about Drake May good enough for him that it should be good enough for you. So I think his legacy is going to be more that, that he was part of things turning around because he's 20 and 16 as a starter. It's not like they've been tearing it up and racking up wins every week. They've struggled. Now, a lot of it's not his fault, but quarterbacks are judged like starting pitchers by their record. If you're a starting pitcher and your team didn't get you any runs, you're going to have a bad record. And that's how people are going to look at you. So Sam's 20 and 16. I think he really wants to be 21 and 16. But more than that, I think that him going to North Carolina really opened the door for a lot of kids to really take the program seriously under part two of Mac Brown. Andrew, uh, taking it back to the game and this matchup specifically, you know, you mentioned some of North Carolina's struggles. The one that I wanted to have you hit on a little bit more with the, the sack numbers, right? Sam Howell's been under pressure a ton. He's, he's really good in the pocket for the most part. He can move. They've given up a lot of pressures, a lot of sacks that are putting him behind the change. But whether it's that or something else, what is the formula for South Carolina to beat the Tar Heels to pull the upset? Like, what are, what are the things that other teams have done that South Carolina can maybe do tomorrow to, to come away victorious? Make life difficult for Josh Downs because the other guys haven't been getting open on a regular basis, but Downs has had a sensational year and he's, he's been the focus of more of opponents coverage in the last half of the season. He hadn't scored a touchdown in their last five games, Uh, but they, but the run game has been a lot better. So I think they've been able to compensate for it. But as far as the passing game goes, if they keep Downs, if they limit his opportunities getting open, the other guys are going to have to rely on their abilities to get open. They haven't consistently shown they can. So what does that mean? That means the O-line has to sustain blocks longer. That means Sam has to go through his progression. And I think that there are times where he's appeared a little gun shy because he hasn't had time to go through the progression. So he just tucks it and takes off. Now that's worked for them at times, but you look at Virginia Tech game. He was sacked, I think, six times in the opener and they struggled and lost. You look at Georgia Tech, he was sacked, I believe, six times in that game as well. And they lost. So, when there are high Pittsburgh game, he was sacked six times. I think at Pittsburgh as well, the high volume sack games, they lose the four is a lot of sacks, right? But if they get only sacked only four times, they could win games like that. It's when you get to the fifth, the sixth, the seventh sack is when it's really been a problem for him. Cause it kind of, it kind of emulates really the problems that are going on throughout the entire game. Cause it's not just the number of sacks. If there's six sets, that means there's a dozen other pressures that are throwing everything off. And so I think if the, if the Gamecocks can, can get a conventional rush going, because a lot of teams have done this without bringing blitzes. They've just beaten the offensive line and they've used coverage to get to them. If they can do that, and they've had some success with that this year, then they have a chance to throw in Carolina's offense to a little bit of chaos. And I think that's what the Gamecocks need to do to win this game. Andrew, final thing we got for you, man. Um, give, give us a prediction. How do you see this game playing out? Um, I guess, what what are a couple of the the key things that you'll be watching as far as matchups that will affect this game? Well, Carolina's defense, how are they having pre-snap chaos? Because if they are, then a lot of quarterbacks who aren't all that accomplished have shown that they could move the ball against them. And South Carolina has some quarterback issues, I guess, if you will, for lack of a better description. And I don't think people, North Carolina fans, are looking at South Carolina and saying, well, that's an offense that – that Carolina, the Tar Heels really have to, to clamp down on and stop because it's a dangerous offense. However, like in basketball, 
if you don't defend a three and a bad shooting three point shooting team is open and guys knock down open shots, then it's on you, right? Well, they've got to do that. They cannot let South Carolina play out of character. They can't let the passing game chuck it around and have a lot of success. They can't let the Gamecocks have success on third down because they haven't had a lot of success on third down. So they just have to make South Carolina offensively who South Carolina is and has been for, especially with when Nolan has been uh, at quarterback and UNC should score enough points to win the game. I think that's where the difference really is. It's you got Sam on one side and you got Zeb Nolan on the other side and you've got two mediocre teams in between. So the high end guy is probably going to show out a little bit more. And that's why I give uh, an edge to North Carolina. Andrew, uh, good stuff, man. We appreciate the time today. Um, Enjoy the game tomorrow, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks. That's Andrew Jones. Check him out. Tar Hill Illustrated. Um, that is the North Carolina rival site as we close out our South Carolina, North Carolina preview. Uh, they, they can go read our final predictions on our game day guide. That'll be up. Uh, actually, probably be up tonight because it's a very early game tomorrow. Uh, Chris, any closing thoughts, man? I, mean, I was going to say, we've got to do breaking down the keys. That'll be up at some at some point. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe a little. Uh, maybe that's a morning piece. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, keys to the game prediction that'll be up. Good stuff. Good stuff from Andrew. Good stuff from the crowd as always. Yeah, appreciate the crowd joining us uh, there in our Promo Gourmet chat line. Uh, your your support is not taken lightly. So again, hope uh, hope everybody enjoys the game tomorrow. If you can't make it to Charlotte. Uh, come check out the, the big old screen at, at Market All Main. If you can make it to Charlotte, if you're coming to the bowl game, come say what's up. I'll be at the doghouse right outside of Bank of America Stadium, 9 a.m. until kickoff uh, before I go in the game. Uh, drink specials, they're giving you a dollar off if you come by the, the Gamecock Central area. Uh, there's a special shot they're putting together, a Gamecock shot, and uh, also a, a food truck there as well. So it should be a good time. He is Chris. I am Wes. Uh, Y'all enjoy the game tomorrow. Y'all have a great new year, and uh, we'll see you all in 2022. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.